0: get it started and be real upfront about tired
1: <laughs> hello you beautiful person listening to tuned in dialed up this is a podcast about podcasting and i am recording this in the future we'll be right back to the real episode in just a second but this episode got delayed by a few days uh you're gonna hear me mention it might be delayed by me going to a wedding over the weekend which was last weekend and Yeah, it was that, and I had to finish my review of podcast movement for Discover Pods, which is currently up on Discover Pods. You might like to read it after this. I thought I did a good job. So, you can support this show by going to patreon.com forward slash Gavin G. Not only will you get early access to full episodes of Tuned In Dialed Up, and outtakes, and some fun, you know, goofy behind the scenes stuff for the pod report, including getting to like vote on the next review i write sometimes it's actually one coming up on september 1st so if you're a patron by then you can have a say in what podcast i write about you also can help support tuned in dialed up becoming a bigger and better podcast the current goal we have is 21 dollars a month which will be able to afford transcripts for both tuned in dialed up episodes that come out every month and one episode from our backlog so I'll be paying a robot to transcribe most of it, and then I'll fix it and post. Uh, that 21 will cover that. And then as we get to higher goals, we'll be able to hire a real person to transcribe these, which will take a lot of the work off of my side of it. And you can also hear your name here on Tuned in Dialed Up, because there are people supporting the show at the producer level now. So I want to give a special shout-out to our first producer, Gene, who is helping make... make he's doing... He's helping make teamwork makes the dream work that's, that's what they say in the sports movies that I occasionally watch and only partially understand thank you so much for your support Gene and thank you everyone listening you can hear everything else about where to find us online in the plug section at the end of this and there will be a much more cohesive housekeeping segment in the next episode but until then I'm going to let you listen to a very tired version of Will and myself take care Welcome, listeners, to Tuned In, Dialed Up, a podcast about podcasting. I'm one of the hosts, Gavin, joined by the amenable Will Williams. Hi. And we're back from podcast movement and very tired.
0: Yes. I'm very tired.
1: <laughs> not, not, not just because of podcast movement, but no. somewhat.
0: Somewhat, yeah. Listeners, full disclosure. Um, I, so I was one of the people, along with our friend Ellie, um, who curated podcast movement fiction track which means that like two weeks before podcast movement i was stressed and tired and then it was podcast movement during which i was stressed and tired and then i went to disney world which was wonderful and very exciting but, but was, stressful was also and very, tiring uh, yeah i was also very stressed and tired and then i came home and my cat is in the hospital um <sighs> we are Uh, looking at over $10,000 towards him. And I also found out crazy family shit. So all in all, I am tired and very over everything. As you
1: rightfully should be.
0: Thank you. So if I am not my (laughs) typical Sunny personality, it's because fuck you and fuck everyone.
1: I have something here to make will even more fuck you and fuck everyone. I purchased in Nashville a book called The Wizards Joke Book because it was oh, fifty whoa, whoa. cents. Uh, oh, whoa, whoa. I, uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna front load the puns on this one just with one joke uh, that okay I had Jordan pick this one out. That's why she's yelling that in the background. Uh, okay. Will, what do wizards say to their young students who can't concentrate?
0: Hey, stop being a fuck up. Hocus focus. Oh goddamn it! Yeah. <laughs> that
1: one got a full on like turn away from the mic while, yeah, while swearing. Yeah, it's real bad. <laughs> focus, there's, focus. It's a good. It's it's good insofar oh, as Christ. it's not sort of racist or uh, uh, classist. Because there's a lot of weird charged jokes in this book. That that's wizards. Uh, that's <laughs> <laughs> we wizards can't can't really keep a bead on them. Uh, oh, okay. God, Gavin, so, how are you doing? I'm tired. We're like yeah. Jordan's packing because we're going to a wedding. We're recording this on right. Thursday and uh, Friday. We drive up to fucking Michigan for a wedding. Yeah, and then we'll be back uh, right before this episode goes up. So Woo. if it comes out on time, I'm I'm way more productive than I thought I was.
0: If it comes out on time, everyone owes Gavin a high five. Hey, it, hey.
1: Yeah. All Don't right. touch All right. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. As we usually do with the format of this show, we start off by talking about something. Okay, Sorry. let's do a take two on that one. As we usually do, as we usually do to start off the show, we talk about something good that's happened in the last two weeks. Uh, it's uh, particularly. Um, interesting time to do this for both of us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cause we're tired of shit.
0: hmm I have one though. I think we probably have the same one because it's the best shit I've ever heard in my fucking life. Go for it. Uh Marvels. Marvels.
1: That's a really fucking Holy good one. Shit.
0: It was Holy announced at the shit.
1: weirdest time for us to
0: Yeah, I was really stressed out. So <laughs> So during podcast movement, specifically during the multitude live show that I but we were both attending, sitting there watching a live show.
1: Which was amazing.
0: Which was amazing. It was so great. Uh, uh, it was announced that Lauren Shippen, Paul Bay, and Misha Stanton are working on an audio drama for Marvel called Marvels. Um, I don't know much about Marvel and its universe, so I don't really know a ton about what this is going to entail. I it believe involves it's-
1: Galactus.
0: Right, right. Um, what I do know is that that's the fucking dream team, and they get to work yeah. on something for Marvel, and that's the best shit I've ever heard in my life.
1: Marvel has, I mean, I, I'm, like, one of the four people who hasn't listened to the Wolverine audio drama that's supposed to be really, really good, because I've heard you okay. and Ellie talk about it. <laughs> I've heard Ellie yeah. say, I've heard Ellie say things about it. Yeah. It feels like Marvel has been just, like, slowly, carefully, smartly getting their way into fiction podcasting. Yeah. So to hear this is very, to hear this is very good, and not just like, oh, they threw they threw money at the first people they googled, <laughs> they took the time right. to figure out like, oh, these people know their shit.
0: Yeah, um, which I think is exactly how this should be done. It's really exciting seeing the right people get the right work because we're not seeing enough of that right now.
1: It was also very fulfilling to see, uh, what was it? I think it was Paul Bay that posted that picture of.
0: Yes, oh my god.
1: Him, Shippen, and Misha Stanton sitting in a booth in a restaurant in like Seattle talking.
0: And the tweet was like, Just people talking about podcasts, nothing suspicious.
1: (laughs) And everyone there was like, well.
0: Right. Oh my god. Yeah, it's gonna be amazing. I'm really excited. Also, to that point, Lauren Shippen's first novel, The Infinite Noise, Reminder that it is fucking phenomenal. It's really beautiful. It is about Caleb and Adam from The Bright Sessions. It is concurrent with the first season, um, but you get it from their perspectives. It's, it's stunning. Go buy it. It's, it's so good.
1: And that's coming from someone who had a copy in their hotel room at Podcast Movement.
0: Yes, that is accurate. Uh, though admittedly, it wasn't mine. It was Ellie's.
1: Oh, it was Ellie's. Uh,
0: yeah it was well, I, I
1: saw it and I made a comment to the air about someone has a copy of Lauren Shippen's novel early I wonder who it could be and it was met with silence
0: <laughs> yeah it was Ellie's it was Ellie's oh it's so fucking good go read it uh Gavin do you have do you have a thing a thing of good
1: uh let's see well there was one good thing but that's not necessarily a podcasting uh fucking I finished caravan and Dream Boy.
0: uh
1: in a f- in a like 30 hour period.
0: Pooh boy. That's really what good. A, what a horny horny time.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean there it's not necessarily connected but I I mean the fact that that happened and then like 24 hours later I publicly came out on My Twitter. Boy.
0: Yeah. I'm so happy. Yes, I'm oh, also Jordan's very happy Gavin. Oh, yes. <laughs> It's very good. Welcome welcome to the land of Oh no, everything is stressful. Everyone's very pretty.
1: Exactly. Um
0: not that you weren't there before. No,
1: that's just being around podcasters, really.
0: No, Gavin, I think that's called being a queer person. Well,
1: maybe. <laughs> well maybe you also have to keep in mind the only people I'm physically around anymore are podcasters.
0: Oh, big mood. Big mood. Uh yeah. Um you hold in there, baby. not related, he says in the world's biggest fucking air quotes with the two porniest gayest podcast under his belt <laughs>
1: <laughs> also just like really fucking well put together podcasts oh
0: they're so good they're so good that caravan finale man and the dream boy finale too fucking incredible
1: also the like just behind too
0: good podcast damn yeah. behind
1: the scenes episode just evolved everything about that show of dream boy Yeah, to hear like yeah,
0: oh, it's so good. To hear that the creator can
1: just do that shit while (laughs) he's talking,
0: like that haphazard, goofy conversation that was behind the scenes, while also being beautifully scored and brilliant. (laughs) Sure, why the fuck not? Great, you can just play.
1: You can just play piano, like not even. Oh yeah, you can can just just fucking do that. You can just score shit. Great, cool.
0: Right? What?
1: Which song was it? Starts playing melody. Oh wait, no, that's another one. And then fucking okay, bud.
0: Just pivots, yeah. It's oh, almost it's almost yeah. like
1: it's possible for people be, to be talented at piano. It blows my mind.
0: Dude, as someone who has musicked for a very, very, very big percentage of my life, that's just still buck wild. Like, <laughs> I'm like formally trained in some shit, and I'm still blown away by that. So, <laughs> Whew. okay, well... Should we get into it? We should. So today we're going to,
1: instead of talking about industry news of which there isn't really much besides Marvel's and like the Variety thing of which there's nothing to talk about. Mm -hmm. Like Variety did a a piece on Conan, big fucking, like.
0: Oh, one quick thing actually, one quick news update that I think is just really interesting that I don't think we need to talk about, but it's just neat. Um, Apple Podcasts started uh, doing a transcription-based search in podcasts. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If you yeah, if you search, um, Pod News did a report today, and they searched Google Pixel, and everything that had mentioned Google Pixel within Apple Podcasts came up. So like, actually within the content, which I think is uh, fascinating. So and to clarify, we've, we've, yeah, Apple is ahead.
1: Apple is automatically generating transcripts from these right like from the audio right yeah
0: but it is internal so they're not giving you access to those transcripts it's just a method on the back end for search purposes um which google has been talking about for a very long time ever since back when they were like oh yeah you know if you google a podcast it'll come up in your google search and you can just play it which is now a thing but looks like apple kind of got in before they could which is interesting i didn't expect
1: Which means it's easy to pop to the top of the charts if you just say a bunch of shit. So Amazon Rainforest, Sean Spicer, Dancing with the Stars, uh, uh, D23, uh, uh, Tangled Series (laughs) Cancelled, Working for Disney's Awesome, the documentary. And that that should do it. Oh, uh, one, one, do it. One tiny piece of news, because this is literally the only thing I've ever been fucking emailed for for news business stuff. Uh London Podcast Festival is going to have yeah. an audio fiction cluster now of
0: Hell yeah. Like its Hell own little yeah. mini
1: track of panels, which is just very Hell awesome yeah. after uh podcast movement just did this.
0: Hell yeah. Yeah.
1: So uh London Podcast Festival. And that's Festival. a good segue. Yeah. Which means we can now talk about Podcast Movement. Uh just
0: yeah.
1: Podcast movement. How long have you been working on the audio drama track? Because I think I know, but I forget.
0: Yeah, who knows? What's time, man? Like
1: I feel like uh, who- podcon too.
0: Yeah, so okay. So listeners for disclosure, um, because I think it's really important to have this transparency. I did Peace. work on podcast movement, so if I'm a little bit touchy about critical things, uh, it's because I put a lot of time, and effort, and energy into it. Also, if I am, like, overly excited about it, though I don't think that's going to be the case for this episode, given the state of my human being. Uh, but, like, you know where I'm coming from here. I'm very proud of it. We put a lot of work into it. I promise I'm more proud than my voice is conveying. So, I went to Podcast Movement last year. It was my first time. It was in Philly. Uh, wrote about it for Discover Pods, live-tweeted a whole bunch of shit, and then uh, some, uh, a little, a little bit after, a few months after uh dan and jared who run podca- podcast movement they reached out to me and said that they would be interested in collaborating i said absolutely let's talk about this after podcon 2 because i can only focus on <laughs> on one event at a time or else my brain will stop working um so i ran I, I guess didn't run into i saw them at podcon 2 we hung out a little bit and then after PodCon two, we followed back up and started working on the audio fiction track. First it was a few phone conversations with me kind of spitballing some ideas that I had. One of my first ideas was the what nonfiction can learn from fiction podcasters panel.
1: My biggest fucking regret of pod podcast movie was not going to that.
0: Oh, it was I'm very, I'm very proud of how it went. I'm so I went, I went so to a really good of of our thing. Panelists. But yeah,
1: it was yeah, I heard so many good things about it. Thank you.
0: Um, and it'll be available on virtual ticket. Um, mm. so look out for that for sure. Um, another one of the first things we talked about was having Lauren Shippen as a keynote speaker. That I was
1: amazing.
0: It was phenomenal. She did a really great job. I cried several times because of how moved I was. Um. And then from there, we enlisted the help of Elena Fernandez-Collins, or Ellie, as y'all probably know her. She's been on the show before. Um, And Ellie and I started working together really closely. They actually carried uh, (laughs) a sizable amount of the work that we did. I'm always honored to work with Ellie, but this was uh, especially a, a treat for us, I think, getting to work on something like this together. Uh, so, we curated the track, which meant that. So, this was their inaugural audio fiction track, which is why we were enlisted to help. Podcast um, Movement's
1: inaugural, to be.
0: Yes, thank you. It, I mean, it was um, both
1: of yours as well.
0: <laughs> y- yeah, that's true. Uh, so, we set to work uh, looking through some of the submissions that were sent to Podcast Movement as well as curating a lot of the panels. It was about a 50/50 split. I want to say maybe maybe a few more that we curated versus taking from the applicants, but we kept it pretty pretty close. As we curated our panels, we first started with topics that we thought were really important. So things like uh like directing, building a creative team, uh narration, music, things that we thought the way that we conceptualized the track is we wanted you to come and if you attended if you attended like 60 to 80% of the audio fiction track, you could leave and know exactly how to make an audio fiction podcast. Yep. Um, we also had various uh, inclusion quotas that we uh, tried to meet, which sometimes manifested in really uh, lovely ways that I was very delighted by. So for instance on our What Nonfiction Can Learn From Fiction, uh, I realized upon arrival, I think, to podcast movement that none of us on that panel are cis. Like, we're none of us are, are cisgender. We're all uh, non-binary or trans, and it had nothing to do with being trans, and it was also completely accidental. <laughs> um, so, and, and uh, two of the four of us were people of color. So... I, I was very pleased by that, and I'm glad that we dedicated a lot of time and heart to that. So, yeah, I've been working on it for a long time. I realized that you did not ask me everything about the, the background of this process, but I it gave it to you. It going to be stuff people wanted to hear anyway. You're welcome. Great. That's good, because I already done did it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> did you go on anything on syllabus day? I forget what you were doing.
0: Yeah, um, on syllabus day... So the like, first
1: th- Monday or yeah. Tuesday was not like an official day of podcast movement, but there were things happening at the hotel.
0: Yeah. So I did go to um, the state of the indie, which was a panel given by um, two of the hosts of the. Uh,
1: Preserve Oh, this my pod. God.
0: Preserve this pod. I was like, replace. That's not the right word at all. Preserve this podcast. Um, one of whom is also one of the editors of the bellow collective one of the founders of the bellow collective also had amanda mclaughlin of multitude and a few others um it was really fantastic i i loved the discussion that they had about breaking down um the differences between networks and collectives and just being an indie podcaster and how those all line up and what those all mean um i thought that was really fantastic and then that's all at Podcast Movement I did. But then later that night, uh, the Hug House team, my my other podcast collective, we had a few of our cast and crew for our upcoming fiction podcast, Valence, at Podcast Movement. I cannot tell you any of who those are quite yet, but we took everyone who could make it there out for dinner at the Edison in Disney Springs which is this like dope steampunk bar that I'm very about because I'm a slut for steampunk and always have been and then we went out for drinks at Trader Sam's which is a tiki bar and also was dope so that that was my Tuesday. Gavin what was your Tuesday like?
1: My Tuesday I uh registered on fucking Eventbrite like (laughs) uh one or two I think it was the Loeb and Loeb sponsored panels where uh like they used Eventbrite tickets uh, I registered for a bunch of stuff and then just didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went to the state of the indie, which was yeah. interesting, just because they hadn't set up the rooms for podcast movement yet. So, there oh was yeah, that was that was a little. It was still in classroom style with tables. That was interesting, and then basically just hung around talking to people until badge re- badge registration early access started. And uh, I think that was it. Like I think Tuesday mm-hmm. night was basically meeting up with, um, meeting Cole and then Cole Burkhart of yeah. Piece of Cake pod or not Podcast Collect a Piece of Cake Podcast Network, and then just sitting in my room typing. <laughs> so uh, it, I guess as far as disclaimer shit on my side, it should be noted uh, I was attending Podcast Movement on assignment from Discover Pods, which within mm-hmm. a few days of this going up the review should be up on discover pods but i was also there as a speaker because i ended up speaking on the ask the critics panel with you and ellie mm-hmm. so i well, i like i was not particularly flush with cash but i also wasn't paying full price to be there uh, right that said i try to keep that in mind the whole time and i will say a lot of my a lot of my criticisms or not a lot of my critical analysis of podcast movement from this point is probably going to be colored from the perspective of should you buy the the remote pass for 200 bucks as a podcaster who couldn't Mm, go mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm. because this is a rare instance where like that ticket's still available i know there's some conventions that you can only do that before which is weird right (laughs) uh also like podcast movement filmed everything they didn't just they didn't just record everything which i found that to be a extra level of attention paid that usually you're you're this is a conference. I'm used to the, you know, fly-by-night cons that have varying levels of attention paid.
0: Ooh, yeah. Let's actually talk about that difference real quick because I th- I think that this... <laughs> I think that this uh, difference in invention and conference is going yes. to actually paint a lot of my frustrations. Not, And I will say that my frustrations come not from podcast movements, organization, or anything because, again, like... Like that's work. For yeah. Me. You know, like I like and it would be, I'm not gonna sit here and be like, here's my complaints. Like, you know, that's that's silly. But I do have some complaints about things that I saw actually from the attendees. And I think a lot of this comes down to people coming expecting a convention when podcast movement is a conference. The
1: trade show.
0: Yes. So in my mind, a convention is something that you go to to have fun, maybe learn some interesting tidbits, meet up with fellow fans. It's much more social and much more entertainment based.
1: Panels A are usually pretty goofy in nature. Yeah. Or yes. incredibly broad.
0: Right. Right. Or like you're you're ask you're learning things not for the purpose of honing your craft, but just as like interesting facts about something that you like. Yeah. Um, A conference is something that you go to for work. It's where you go to learn about your industry and how to make your work better. Like, I go to international education conferences all the time um, because that is my work and my job. And I think a lot of my frustrations with the attendees come down to people not necessarily... uh, thinking about that distinction um do we want to go day by day or just do we just want to launch into overall i guess overall because on podcast i
1: guess overall because like the days were basically identical except for the ends depending on what level of parties were happening
0: right right none
1: of which i attended which i should have but also like fuck me <laughs> the yeah. the conference was uh draining to the point of the idea of being around several hundred people in a bar yeah. sponsored by stitcher was a bit much uh
0: i i didn't attend any of the parties because i literally had something scheduled every morning and every evening on yes. top of <laughs>
1: yeah, I found it hilarious that the, the app had a gamification section that also gave you points for requesting meetings and, like, okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, overall, I will say that, um, and again, I'm very, very biased here, but I am, I had a great time at Podcast Movement. I loved it. I am extremely proud of all of the panelists that we brought I learned so much. Like I didn't just attend this because I was helping curate. I also attended because I'm making a fiction podcast right now, and I'm also on what like three four i'm I'm I work on like several nonfiction podcasts. so both the audio fiction and nonfiction tracks. They were all so helpful. I learned a ton, and yeah. again, I'm very, very proud of everyone there and seeing everybody was really nice and i i had a I had a great time. Gavin, how did you feel about it? I had a
1: really good time it it was uh it was bizarre being in a space in which the industry exists because like producing mm. to pull back the curtain on tuned in dialed up we get like fucking 300 downloads an episode average over Mm -hmm, its lifespan mm -hmm. which is fine like this show is not meant for fucking mass production (laughs) it's right it's not it's not (laughs) it's not going to appeal to a lot of people and like it was never designed to be that way but it is very odd to be walking through an expo hall and twice i was stopped and the show was mentioned as being there the how they knew me
0: Mm -hmm.
1: like that's the amount of that that's the amount of like industry industry was happening in the same room which was way different than podcast or podcon yeah which as a convention and the fact that i basically knew most of the people running booths on a first name basis already was way different it was great from the perspective of what i went to and uh it also reminded me of some of the more businessy sides of podcasting that i just kind of ignore but are also massive and doing their damnedest there's a huge Mm -hmm. startup presence in podcasting uh a lot of apps that are basically discord and patreon glued together trying to get you to somehow magically make your audience base transfer onto this new app (laughs) instead Mm -hmm. of using discord and patreon yeah it was it was intense It was the the stuff I went to was really good, as evidenced by the fact that I took the time to fucking live tweet basically everything I went to. Thank you. Except for the music panel, and that was only because Ellie was tweeting it. Uh, Yeah. I just sat in the back for the last half and watched it. And the the, the venue was massive.
0: It was. It was huge. It was real big. Uh, It was very, very, like, it was really pretty. I liked that there was dining right there. I like. I also like that it was all like contained in the one space, which I know is pretty common yeah. for convention spaces. But I, I think that the layout was nice, even though everything was like, I will say, like fairly far away.
1: Oh yeah, even when even in arriving, you had to walk like a block to get to the actual conven- yeah. the actual conference floor. Uh, and I will say, it was like as expensive as the food and stuff was in the actual like Rosen Shingle Creek area. It's also Orlando, and Orlando right. kind of just has these little spheres of really expensive stuff for expensive people. And I was staying in a Days Inn for 50 bucks a night. that had an IHOP in the fucking parking lot, and we walked to Dunkin' Donuts every morning. Like, it was not, mm-hmm. it was not that expensive. The most expensive thing we did the whole week uh, was lifts. And given that it, um, uh, there were three of us in the day, there were three other people besides myself in the same hotel... There was a lot of communistic sharing of that.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: So it, was, it wasn't a, um, it wasn't a PodCon 2 situation where people were, like, walking to the convention center. But it was still mm-hmm. still could, better than what it could have been where one would have to, like, rent a car or pay a lot to have the hotel room to themselves in the convention center. Right. Were there any panel, What what did you go to that wasn't on the audio drama track?
0: So, um,
1: as a super busy person
0: I actually so I went to the state of the indie. that was one of them, yeah, and then I went to one that I paneled on, which was about uh podcast newsletters, so
1: as far as nonfiction uh stuff that were not nonfiction, I guess, but stuff that wasn't specifically for the audio drama track, I went to multitudes. Uh, you don't need a network panel, which was
0: re- Oh, how was that? It was
1: so fucking good. Like they managed I'm
0: so sad I had to miss that.
1: Much much as multitude is want to do, not only were they giving broad strokes ideas of things and talking about like this is what a collective is and this is what why multitude does what multitude does, they also were able to briefly mention things about how they work that uh, can both inspire and give ideas to people who like you don't have to want to make join the party or spirits to take information from them, uh, which right. is something very valuable that not a lot of people got. Cause there were like 30 people in the audience of a breakout panel that had seating for like 200 people that, that was kind of a recurring thing. It felt like the ones that weren't offering how to get rich fast were not filling up with people. But my, my hope is a lot of the people were also banking on, Using their digital pass later. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say, like that was fantastic. I went to one marketing thing. I wanted to go to more, but my one experience with the marketing track was, it was the room was over capacity. People were sitting in the aisle to see this panel, and then there was a row of people standing around the walls in the room, and then people were leaning in the doorway, to just get a glimpse. Of one person wow. giving the talk about how to double your downloads using behavioral psychology. And this this guy seemed very well-intentioned. He tweeted at me, thanking me for live-tweeting his panel. The, the term doubling your downloads did not come up after reading the first slide, which was the title of the panel. Uh, he just talked about how... At at first, he establishes bona fides by bringing up the Libsyn stat of there are 700,000 podcasts, but then also claimed that those are all regularly updating, and then took the other Libsyn stat that the average podcast gets 170 downloads and uses that to then extrapolate, and his show that gets 250k per episode is in the top 5% of podcasts. And... if If you consider all seven hundred thousand of those to be regularly updating podcasts, yeah, that's how that math works. But those seven hundred thousand are not regularly updating. And it, even if you want to make that argument what is regularly updating, he uploads thrice a week. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at iTunes charts, a lot of the shows that are up there are dailies or almost dailies um Mm -hmm. like joe rogan has a good subscriber count but joe rogan also is putting out dailies and is getting those Mm -hmm. auto downloads every fucking day (sighs)
0: so
1: this guy basically just sat there and said um surveys are a good way to know your audience and therefore serve them how about that shit i mean
0: that's that's true. It's
1: true, but... but he also, at one point he said his favorite Methodist phone calls and everyone kind of just sat up what? a little bit. Yeah, everyone sat up a little bit. How is he doing this? This is interesting. Turns out he just invented a new segment on his show in which he calls somebody, he, he gets somebody to call him and then he talks to them for five minutes and puts that five minutes of audio on the show. But he's actually using that five minutes to strip mine information from this fan about what they like about the show. Uh, Hmm. at one point he noticed that his show whenever he talked about mental health it was overperforming in downloads so he used a really vague facebook poll method of like would you rather the show talk about um sports or travel or health and then when they all answered health he narrowed it down to mental health and then after that he just retooled his show so he only talks about mental health now which is like yeah i like that that's kind of like when the secret came out and one of the people who was in that movie had a book on how to like make money on the internet and he literally said just make a blog spot put google ads on it and then keep, keep track of what search terms were trending that day and write a blog post about it like yeah
0: yeah it's it's not wrong it's
1: not wrong but like but that's also, not good engagement or uh uh um, right. gonna make a quality product <laughs> You're just going to have, well, I guess you're going to have what a podcast consultant who wants good numbers is going to have because that was his other thing. He got 13 top 100 shows on iTunes last year. Great. Yeah. What are they? (laughs) It was a very buy my book style talk by one person um, and it was in the marketing track. So, like, I was.
0: And and that's. That kind of gets to. Yeah, that gets to, like, my biggest complaint for what I saw from the attendees and some panelists on the nonfiction half of podcast movement. Um, so uh, something that I have seen at podcast movement uh, last year and this year that I, I, I understand, but I also don't is people's people seem to want to panel Only because it'll look good on a resume or get their name out there or get people noticing them or, like, basically work as a way of networking. And this bothers me a lot. Um, I saw some conversation after podcast movement of people saying, like, wow, I wish we could just have a panelist convention um, so we could network in real space together and not have to... It, it, was, it was almost as if they were saying, like, I wish I didn't have to put on the front of caring about a panel in order to network. And that bothers me so much.
1: And Podcast Movement has the most structured networking I have ever seen in my life, the
0: <clears throat> Right. Like, it's not... It, it bothers me for so many reasons. Primarily because if you are on a panel and your purpose of being on a panel is anything but sharing your knowledge with everyone else like just just for the purpose of helping people i feel like you're paneling for the wrong reasons and i feel like i don't want to hang out with you yeah um i know a lot about podcasting i know a lot about the industry i owe none of my knowledge to anyone nope uh i don't have to give any of it to anyone but i really like to and I, as I really like helping this people. Show. Right, like I, I, think, I think that if we have the knowledge, why not share it? And it really bothers me that people see paneling not as an exciting opportunity to share their knowledge, but as a, a way to increase their clout or visibility. That really bothers me.
1: Oh, you mean the trademark panel that had a lawyer giving out an, a literal coupon code for a trademark session?
0: Okay, I will say, I think that part of your panel should be you advertising for what you do. I think that that is important. I think that it should be known what you do, and I think that people, people should have a way to reach you. I think that you deserve to, you know, to increase your visibility and your clout. I, I think that those are valid. I don't think that they should be the motivator yeah. for why you're doing something, and I don't think they should be the sole reason. And that's something that I saw much more from the nonfiction crowd than the fiction crowd. Um, which is not to say that the fiction crowd did not have aspects of it that frustrated me, because yeah. they did. But on the nonfiction side
1: They're they're fighting for scraps as far as getting visibility.
0: Right. But I, I again, like, paneling is not the way to do that. Paneling yeah. it. And also, like, I am also of the belief that if you are on a panel and you do a really great job and give a lot of knowledge and help people and don't make it about yourself, but make it about helping each other, like, that's going to get you more visibility than than the absolute blatancy uh, with which <laughs> I saw people do this, Um both in panels and, like, later on Twitter and shit. Like, I... I have made more contacts from people who have been amazing panelists and I've reached out to them after saying like, Hey, this was great. Let's talk more. Like that's, that's how you get that visibility. Not through, not through trying for visibility, you know? And also like, I don't know, maybe this is because I'm such a millennial, but like, it's not hard to network online. Not really. I don't get why people are like, like, I don't get why people are like, oh, well, I just need the meet space. Like, I just need to talk to people one-on-one. Like, just fucking DM them. Like, it's 2019.
1: Yeah, like, fucking, I <laughs> I bounced into a couple of the, like, scheduled networking things, or I talked to people who did some of the scheduled networking things, and I get it. But also, like, that just stressful. And if your concept takes more than two seconds to describe, you're really just kind of getting someone to nod along with you.
0: Right. I I will say I I like the in-person networking a lot. I like that part of it. But the the insistence that like
1: the only way
0: <laughs> Right, that that in-person is the only way to truly network is just really really fucking weird. Like why I don't I don't get it. I don't, <laughs> it's 2019. I don't get it.
1: It's a good way of making a connection so that you remember a face or you remember a name, but that's about yeah. it. And I, like, yeah. shook hands with, like, four people that I now recognize on Twitter because of that. I did not need yeah. to go to a speed date network thing.
0: See, I... Okay, so I like those, but I definitely get that they can be really stressful. No, yeah, the, no,
1: it's it's a it's a personal preference thing, totally.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so... I want to pivot and talk about my frustrations with the audio fiction crowd a little bit. Go for it. Um... Because it's kind of the opposite side of this. So what I saw from the fiction from the nonfiction track was a lot of people who were like maybe a liter- a little overly businessy, you know, versus focusing on sharing knowledge. What I saw from the audio fiction side was a lot of people being not businessy enough in ways that I found very surprising and uh, admittedly pretty disappointing um overall I think that the audio fiction crowd was great but there were a lot of things that I saw not from panelists really but just attendees that I, I found really disappointing um I saw a lot of people who first off only attended things on the audio fiction track and i understand some of that um because it's what you're there for like that that makes sense but it doesn't make sense to me that like half of the audience for what nonfiction podcasters can learn from fiction podcasters was fiction podcasters because mm-hmm. like i already have a panel like I, I already have my panelists you know and they they fiction podcasters already know these things that's that's why it's for the non-fiction podcasters i was extremely grateful to the non-fiction podcasters who were there and i think that they were great and i'm so honored that they learned but it was weird to me that like people in the fiction world didn't take the opportunity to go to other things and learn about maybe learn about marketing you know yeah. um, or maybe learn about trademarks which yeah i know that that person like advertised their own ship but like were there
1: two of you you and though? i both
0: know yeah. Yeah. Like there's there were legal panels and you and I both know that fiction podcasters both due to, you know, resources and and I think some education because it can be really hard to know about these things. But like, I would say that most fiction podcasters need to know more legal things. Um, and in, in conjunction with that, I saw a lot of the fiction crowd kind of rolling their eyes at the non-fiction crowd and all of the knowledge about the industry itself. And this really got to me. Um, because it felt a little... not hypocritical, but antithetical to how I see a lot of conversation about, like, from fiction podcasters. Because... We both know that fiction podcasting has been fairly maligned in, in reporting and journalism and conversation about podcasting. Um, and, and fiction podcasters want to and deserve to be taken seriously as a part of the industry. But at the same time, it's very frustrating to hear that from fiction podcasters and then see them uh, like very flippantly and almost jokingly not pay attention to really important information about the industry, as if to say that like they don't need to know these things yeah. or they know better, which is inaccurate. It really bothered me. There was, for instance, um <clears throat> one of the people from Edison who does the 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 data that we get every year oh, on uh, um
1: Tom, uh,
0: uh Tom Webster from Edison Research had a conversation during one of the keynotes about some data that um that is emergent in the industry and I saw a lot of people from the fiction track uh not the fiction track but from the fiction I guess community yeah sort of just like roll their eyes and kind of scoff and it's one thing if you if you do that because you are aware of Edison research and you think like I really wish I could know more about his methods and what his sample size is and how he is acquiring this data and et cetera, et cetera. Like, I wish there, there could be more transparency. I wish those things about Edison. It is another thing to be unaware of who he is and, like, delight in that. Because you, you can't be taken seriously in an industry if you're not taking your industry seriously. And that is a lot of what I saw from the fiction community, and I'm very disappointed by it.
1: It's also worth it to take uh, information that doesn't necessarily fit one's worldview into account. Like, the whole twist of the keynote was that one of the rookie podcast listeners that they were talking to loved a podcast about, by a nurse, and then the twist mm-hmm. was Webster revealed that they looked into it And this nurse is popular. So to the tune of having a cruise that sells out every year uh, that, and that guy is just a YouTuber who posts videos on Facebook.
0: Yeah. There's no podcast. Yeah.
1: There is not, there is not, there's never a claim of a podcast. It's just that the term podcast has been used in a, and twisted to the point where people think a thing you can listen to that doesn't necessarily require you to watch it. Even if it's literally a video uh, that counts as a podcast, it, like, it, it could mm-hmm. be a word for short video.
0: <laughs> right, like people just don't get it. And that's the thing about the Edison data is I feel like people, I feel like a lot of the fiction people went in with this assumption of like, oh, this dude is just going to tell me what to think. Or like, oh, this dude doesn't know what he's talking about. Or, oh, this dude has some kind of an agenda when he was just presenting data. That, like, there was no uh, really assessment on the data. It was just, here's a bunch of data. This is really interesting. Look at these neat things we found. Like, he wasn't trying to sell anybody on something. He wasn't trying to, like, tell you how to market something for a reason. He was just saying, like, here is data. That's it. And people were still, like, really, uh, again, like, scoffing and kind of snide about it. I feel like that's what it is. I feel like there was a lot of... Leading up to to podcast movement, there were a lot of fiction podcasters who were saying things like, I expect to go and to be condescended to by nonfiction podcasters. I expect to be the black sheep. And I am sure that some of that happened. Some of that happened last year when I went to podcast movement, Mm -hmm. um, where I said that I uh, wrote about a lot of fiction podcasts. And people were like, what is that? And they kind of just didn't get it. But this year, and I don't know if it's because there was a fiction track, I don't know if it was because it, it was a different crowd, I don't know if it's just the people that I talked to. Yeah. But I talked to a lot of nonfiction podcasters who were so excited by the idea of fiction, even if they had never heard of it before. It wasn't condescending. It wasn't mean. It was just pretty excited and pretty like, oh, cool, okay. Like at, at the worst, it was maybe like, okay, I don't really get that. It's not for me. But that's all, you know. Um, I feel like. I feel like a lot of people went in with these assumptions of unkindness that, again, I can kind of understand, but I'm still.
1: A little bad faithy. I don't know.
0: Exactly. And I feel like because it was bad faithy, like I overheard some conversations, and sometimes the people who, was, who were mean in the conversation wasn't the nonfiction podcasters. It was the fiction podcasters because you're expecting something bad and then you act all defensive and weird. And then the other person is gonna be like, okay, bye, you random jerk. <laughs> like, like maybe, maybe actually you're the asshole in the situation sometimes. I don't know. Again, most of most of the interaction's really great. This was just a common trend that I saw that I was very unimpressed by on behalf of a community that I'm usually very, very, very impressed by.
1: Yeah, I only like I didn't even experience this firsthand, but I heard it twice. Uh I well, I heard it once, twice in the same person. About a nonfiction podcaster who just had not a fucking clue, but that was the um, the 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 live show person's talk. Oh, uh, in which they made they just made an offhand comment about you can do anything at a live or, at a, a you can do anything at a live podcast show. I even saw a couple of dudes playing Dungeons and Dragons on stage, and like that's. That's a that's a certain level of just not keeping track of the the, the temperature in the room. Oh yeah, absolutely. after Critical Role raised thirteen million dollars, and both Critical Role and Adventure Zone tour regularly with you know sold out mm-hmm. large venues regularly. Mm-hmm. The the idea of tabletop role playing games being a significant part of uh, or a significant player in podcast live performances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. But Yeah, I mean it it goes both ways. Like
1: that that said, it does feel like um I, I I will I was a little bit insulated insofar as I stayed primarily in the fiction track because as someone reviewing it, I felt like might as well go towards the new thing. Or mm-hmm. like the new fancy uh equipment of of the con. But also I barely had any conversations with anyone fiction while the conference was actually happening (laughs) Mm -hmm, everyone mm -hmm. would kind of get into group it was like a mob to be at the front of the of the room as soon as the panel was over so i would just kind of walk away and go to the next thing i was gonna Mm -hmm. live tweet Mm
0: -hmm.
1: or i would look at that freaking uh puppy and free beer thing oh god
0: that was so fucking good and
1: feel skeezed out by the company that was sponsoring it (laughs)
0: Oh, I don't know anything about that. All I know is that there was a puppy and it was a golden doodle and I held it in my arms and I kissed it on the head. Oh, it was fantastic. It was amazing. It was fantastic.
1: But the startup company that was sponsoring it is a free podcast hosting service that puts a a pre-roll and a mid-roll ad in your podcast. And that's the payment. You get free hosting, Mm. you get free hosting. But and, and you get to choose where that mid roll goes, so you can you can record your own podcast, so it works well with their mid roll that's forced on you. But and they're like you can run your own ads, you just have to have room for up to a minute of ad space to be dynamically inserted. You get none of the money from that dynamic those two dynamically inserted ads. So if you run your own ads, you're hoping you don't burn out your fans who have already had to listen to the forced ad, it's almost like you could just use Anchor, or you could pay $5 a month for for Pinecast, or $15 a month for Libsyn. yeah, that there were a couple of apps that were just like selling themselves on being free or cheap. That felt a little, uh, they felt like mm-hmm. they were hoping you didn't know much about the current industry. Cause I, I said this on Twitter, there is kind of a race to the bottom for pricing on hosting. Cause this isn't 2010 anymore. It's not expensive to host large amounts of audio. So there are some, there are a lot of companies, including Pinecast who have shown up recently and can charge less than the legacy people because they just take off like the, the Facebook auto post function and shit like that, which I like it's encouraging a competitive marketplace. It's just, there are a couple of people in the competitive marketplace that make me feel a little uncomfortable. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cause they want the next adventure zone to be on their service.
0: Right? Exactly.
1: That they're not, they're not yeah. hoping for a bunch of uh Chocko fox with uh 2,000 subscribers at the, at the end of that podcast lifespan.:
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, Yikes, Rooney.:
1: That said, there are also a lot of really nice people exhi- uh, exhibiting, at, yeah, exhibiting at, at the show floor. Uh, a lot of mic companies, a lot more mic companies than I <laughs> yeah. thought there would be. <laughs> Yeah. Like I was walking around, there were there were there was at least one I had never heard of, which is interesting because like I never thought I would see a new mic manufacturer.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's that's a thing. I, uh yeah, there, <laughs> I was talked up by a guy from a mic company last year, and it was one of those situations where like, he asked me what kind of mic I use, a and I said I said a Yeti, <laughs> and he like would not let me leave the conversation. I was like, I'm sorry, sir. I just want to go get a cheesesteak.
1: Obviously, you don't understand because you have a Yeti and therefore you haven't done any market research. Right. Yeti doesn't have good tones. You're never going to be taken seriously as a voice actor if you have a bloody Fuck off
0: right listen
1: listen yetis pick up your refrigerator thinking about something in the next room like they are not they're not great for noise not picking up but they're also pretty fine microphones if you can build a space for them right that's coming from someone who owns two condenser mics that uh pick up fucking everything because i didn't think through not i could have just gotten universal like sony thing that everyone uses it would have been fine uh speaking of small bonus of the convention uh one of my two mics that i have currently right here in front of me will have in sharpie written on it pretty soon as heard on and then a sticker for horse
0: (laughs) nice because
1: it turns out brandon grugel fucking forgot to bring a microphone so uh the horse
0: the
1: the horse boys borrowed one of my uh, condensers and that is episode 30 of horse I think they named the uh, the the memorial locker room also has my name on it for an episode. <laughs> that, that was that was the one upshot was like being around people. Yeah. Not the one shot. It was a upshot of. Yeah. Like I got to meet a lot of people that I've only seen as cartoon avatars for two years, and I got to meet some people who were like reporters that I either had never heard yeah. of or just didn't interact with because like. Anyone who's a reporter that isn't you or Ellie or David or uh, Alex Hensley, I kind of just give a wide berth because I assume they've got way more important shit going on. They don't don't need me bothering them. No, they're so nice. Very nice people. So nice. Met Evo. Yeah. Evo is fucking... Oh,
0: Evo, my boy! For podcast listeners who don't know, uh, Evo Terra is a podcaster who has been around since the dawn of time. He he collaborated on and wrote editions of Podcasting for Dummies, and he's in Phoenix. And we he hosts the meetup that I go to almost every month, and he's great. And we also have the same realtor, And Evo's great. He's just so nice. Evo, I love Evo. Evo he's Tara, so funny.
1: Is that character in any ensemble spy or like action <laughs> series? who is just, like, the business one who's always in a suit and always has his shit together. Like, it was syllabus day. We met met a very
0: different Evo. Because in my, (laughs) the Evo that I know is the one in the ensemble who is an absolute chaos monster (laughs) who comes in and just fucks your shit up and then leaves just, like, giggling. Evo is so big chaos energy, and I love it. He is also always very put together, always looks fantastic, uh, always always looking sharp. He is also a chaos baby, and I love him.
1: <laughs> oh, what's it called? What's it called? I highly recommend listening to the mini so's of podcast pontifications from Yes. Podcast Movement. I was listening to those at Podcast Movement. Uh they were yeah. just Evo's like quick thoughts on the conference and they were really they were really fucking good like i if you want more info on this that isn't me and will yeah uh let's see we live tweeted a lot mhm that was um that was a new that, that was a uh, interesting adventure in uh bouncing back and forth and keeping track of who was doing what mhm the way the con handled the speakers was very nice. I I've only experienced one other speaker thing, and it was PodX last year, which has now been renamed as Podcast Con. By the way, look, I look forward to more announcements about if it, or not if, but where and when that will happen next year. Because uh, PodX mm-hmm. two, which is now called Podcast Con, should be cool. But that had just like a speaker room mm-hmm. that had food in it, much like Podcast Movement, but it wasn't like labeled and as a member of the press i kind of like didn't feel like dipping in there just because my badge said press not speaker Mm
0: -hmm. this time
1: around i had a badge that said speaker and like the door was literally open you could see inside it was a little bit more opening the catering i thought was pretty fucking good for speakers um Mm -hmm. (laughs) they did indeed have jams and honey in small in in small containers and jordan got one of good. the honeys <laughs> good uh <laughs> Everything's, except for like two or three road bumps that i can remember uh and mm-hmm. i was i think you were there for all of them because mm-hmm. i was mainly overhearing them except for two or three road bumps that happened right at the beginning everything seemed to run very fucking smoothly
0: yeah dan and jared have shit on lockdown they're really good at what they do
1: which podcast movement has been going for how many years now a while a long it's it's a long time uh it yeah. feels like it when you are there like there is so much shit happening and like i never encountered something breaking the fire alarm went off on day one that was it yeah but it will like everything yep. we recovered from that pretty quickly yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah, that was during one of my panels. And when I came back, I was just like, all right, well, let's skip to the good shit, I guess. <laughs> uh, threw me off a little bit, but then it was fine. Um, yeah.
1: They yeah. joked Should about we... it in the email the next day. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, you got it. Should we close it up here and move on to our recommendations?
1: Sure. Yeah. Podcast movement, good
0: podcast movement good.
1: There are two versions of it coming next year we should briefly touch on probably. Oh yeah. Um in August there will be Podcast Movement which will be in Dallas.
0: Mhm. And
1: then at the Biltmore Hotel in LA, which I only say that cuz I fucking know what the Biltmore is and they said Biltmore in the announcement. Will be Podcast mm-hmm. Movement Evolutions which has like a sexy yeah. 80s neon design to it.
0: Yeah. It has the exact same color scheme as Hug House.
1: Nice. <laughs> Nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, Evolutions is going to be about the current trends in the industry. So, like, very, very much things that are happening now and about to happen in the future. So, uh, focused on very actionable things versus podcast movement being a more holistic look at the industry, which I think I think is brilliant. I'm really excited to see how that goes. I
1: think they said the attendance will be capped at a thousand for evolutions mm-hmm, to give a, mm-hmm. to give perspective, like podcast movement is probably like 3000, something like that.
0: At least. So yeah. it's,
1: it's, it's going to be significantly more controlled and it will be more educational in scope. I would think, well, it's all, ed- you know what I mean? <clears throat> more guided in its thing. So uh, we move on to our recommendations. will What do you got? Mm -hmm.
0: So, you know how podcasters can sometimes have.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I do.
0: (laughs) Have have problems with social media.
1: I mean, yeah, but we don't have 30 minutes to keep (laughs) to to do that.
0: (laughs) So um, this podcast takes on guests who need help and want some feedback. It's, kind, it's actually kind of like from the sound up our, our contest that we ran a little while ago. And it goes through their accounts and posts in detail, highlighting what they're doing great and suggesting ways to improve the areas where they're weak. Um, it usually focuses on things like Twitter and Snapchat and especially Instagram. And it's called Punch Up the Gram.
1: Love it. <laughs> Love it. Something, something, something deep inside (coughs) me says that's the second punch up the jam pun that's been on tuned and dialed up.
0: Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Uh, Yeah, that comes from Katie, who's one of my, uh, one of my teammates over at Hug House. She posted it in the Puncast and Goof channel in the Podcast Problems Discord. It is extremely good. I love it very much. (laughs) (laughs) What do you got? So. So, my first actual recommendation is a recommendation that I got from Helen Zaltzman. Oh, uh, which we talked about briefly. Oh, is it Helen Zaltzman's new Veronica
1: Mars show?
0: No, 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 no. (laughs) I I actually don't know anything about Veronica Mars. No. Me neither.
1: This
0: (laughs) this came from Helen Zaltzman's entry in the Discover Pods uh, best of the year so far. Um, It is called Spicy Eyes, which is a crazy title. I don't know how the fuck they came up with that title, but like I'm here for it. And hey, it caught my attention. Um, So Hungry eye, no, Spicy Eyes is a podcast about the food culture in Las Vegas. I was skeptical of literally every single part of this podcast and then I started listening. Uh, I listened to it with Ellie on the plane to Podcast Movement. And we both just kept looking at each other and being like, what the fuck? This is so good. What the fuck? So... It's about the food culture in Vegas, but it's really specifically about things like, uh, (laughs) like how halal food uh is presented in Vegas, and not like on the Strip, but like actually within cultures that eat halal. Right. Um. There is a fascinating episode on, uh, on buffets in Vegas, and first off, how they are seen as like this thing of excess and wealth, but are actually uh, a way for people who are poor, basically, I guess not poor. there's words as a way for people who are financially struggling mm-hmm. to get a day's worth of food you know with with one go, um, and also the sustainability side of it so about how a lot of buffets are taking their leftovers and turning them into feed for pigs at local farms. And then sometimes those pigs become menu items on the buffet. So it's this uh, wild circle of life. There is an episode about a local uh, foundation to help sex workers um, that advertises through cupcakes. And it's just, it's so fucking incredible. It's just so good. It's like... It's one of the most impressive nonfiction podcasts I have listened to. I would I would place it up there with um, releases this year like Nice Try Utopian and uh, Spectacular Failures in really fascinating, well-reported, but tight episodes of nonfiction. Um, really fucking brilliant, regardless of whether or not you live in Vegas, because I sure as hell don't. <laughs> Um, and again, that is called "Spicy Eyes." I love that. So fucking good, Gavin. <laughs> what's your What's your first recommendation?
1: It's a coming of age audio drama. Um, sure, it is about a teen working alone in a uh, ice cream parlor that's still open through the winter, and it's not really like working out. Everything just kind mm-hmm. of falls apart because it's winter and no one's buying anything and it gets down to where they only have like powder and vanilla left over and this one's called the white malt.
0: Oh god.
1: <laughs> and while Will's recording while Will is recovering from that, this one has been recommended <laughs> on the show before but I just finished season 2 of The White Vault, which is a horror <laughs> Uh, podcast yeah. about a multicultural team who all speak their own languages. It is really fucking yes. cool. Everyone in this show speaks a different language in addition to also speaking English. It is about a team who is sent to fix a transmitter in this bunker that is run by a like research corporation. And when they get there, they find that there's zero trace of anybody who is supposed to be there. And they start getting tra- stalked by something that get and it get it breaks real fucking bad i'm not gonna mince Mm. words on it shit breaks well well. the fact that the show is presented by a nameless documentarian who before anyone speaks says the following is a recording from person's camcorder or the following is a piece of paper found in the trash uh, the trash bin uh written entirely in russian and that's the thing is a lot some of the like dialogue is not meant to be heard by other people in the group and whenever that happens the note is read in the original language of that person and then it slowly fades into english um much in that it much like my favorite cross language scene in a movie uh hunt for red october has this scene Mm -hmm. the uh, sean connery and sam neill's characters are russian sub commanders they speak russian for 10 minutes of screen time basically and all of the russians speak russian until a scene where they are sitting in their their uh like bunk together talking and it slowly zooms into sam neil's mouth and he's speaking russian and then he just starts speaking english and for the rest of the movie you get when the russians are speaking english they're speaking russian and the english speaking characters do not understand that uh, mm, mm-hmm. That was And that was done using visuals but the White Vault Does this fucking brilliantly uh, I I don't know I, I said this last time I talked about the White Vault It's really fucking good season 2 ends so It's so empty and hollow And sad Oof. It fucking hits you And it's so good and there's a third season <laughs> There's a third season coming starting in October It's really good uh so yeah the white vault it is a it is really good horror but because it is really good horror it will fuck with you so just know that
0: nice
1: will what do you have next yeah you know yeah
0: that's a great question gavin
1: (laughs) i finished the worst sitcom ever made that we recommend you recommended oh god it's
0: so good it's so fucking good it's so fucking good. It's also the
1: most incredulous I've ever been towards an interview E in an interview podcast in which right? the network person was like, oh, we didn't we didn't set it up for failure at all. Fuck you, buddy.
0: Fuck you. Yeah. I
1: wouldn't call uh, it a failure.
0: Yeah, okay. So Second one for this week, and I'm not caught up on this one, but I have finally started the Decadates. Um, it is great. It is kind of uh like the Magnus Archives, but prison industrial complex. It is fascinating. It is these really interesting archival like stories that are being uh, broadcast. I almost don't want to give much of it away. It was one of our best of the year so far podcast on the A.B. Club. I just, yeah, I, I just kind of feel like if you're, if you're looking for a fiction podcast that has a plot but is a little bit more um, anthology-esque in the style of something like the Magnus Archives where everything is connected but it takes a little while to get there. Um, the Decatapes is fascinating and very socially and politically relevant and I would highly recommend it. Um, again, I'm not caught up. Don't give me spoilers on Twitter. I'll be mad at you. Um, but yeah, that is the Yeah Gavin, what's your second recommendation?
1: Uh, while I scroll, Dream Boy is really fucking good
0: you just fucking talk about Dream Boy.
1: Dream Boy is, Dream Boy is what, as someone who ran a, a podcast, I mean, st- I still do, it's just not uploading right now. The Red Light Library is a podcast in which we review wacky, weird erotica, and the whole point was we were just reviewing goofy shit that's like 20 pages long and has wacky titles. But in doing that, I immersed myself in the erotica like world and found there were a lot of people who were basically producing it with the with the perspective of sex is easy and therefore easy to make money off of. And the, the actual art that is good and trying to do something gets buried underneath that. Uh, sex is mm-hmm. really, really hard to sell, which is funny because the whole idea is sex sells, but mm-hmm. there's not a lot of eroticism in podcasting. And I really want to dedicate an episode of Tune and Dialed Up to talking about this in future. But I feel yeah. having the experience of sex happening quote on camera in a podcast the best example of that i have seen happen is in dream boy as you said when you brought it up four or five episodes or like 10 episodes ago i guess because it became a meme of <laughs> the dick uh it is it, it is <laughs> right. it is a very dick centric <laughs> story like there's a lot it like, is
0: there's so much dick. the main
1: character's dick is a like a somewhat of a weather vane for his mood in each day he wakes up for work yep but when sex happens in the show it is treated in such a way that there is an eroticism to it without being too squeaky because i have seen Mm -hmm. i have seen 18 plus podcasts have sex and then there's just like not to go too far but let's just say the sound design is a little too much uh, a
0: little gooshy. a little, Just a little goofy. a little
1: too hyper realistic. The shit that actual porn cuts out, uh
0: huh, for a reason.
1: Uh, there's there's an intimacy to hearing something like that's the that's the whole fucking selling point of podcast. Even Conan O'Brien said that in the Variety piece. Is like when you're in some oh, the
0: inventor of podcasts. the inventor
1: of podcast conan o'brien who even in that piece says he had no fucking clue what podcasts were his team just told him here's a simple thing we can do that'll make money uh
0: mm-hmm. he
1: gets it that it's like it's there's an there's an inherent intimacy to this the person listening to this right now is listening to this while doing the dishes or driving somewhere or just sitting around doing what the fuck ever but we're in their ears uh dream boy understands that and knows where mm-hmm. the line is and plays with that a little bit and does it so well. and the story of dream boy overall i would like that that is the argument for literary fiction capital l capital f in podcasting because mm-hmm. like i don't want to say it's magical realism but there's a there's like some big boy pants it's slipstream it, yeah it's there's like some yeah. actual like writing shit going on that you have to keep up with <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. It,
1: like there's different levels to it and i just really fucking appreciated it and it should be also be noted i work overnight shifts so some of me listening to dream boy was running on 10 hours of sleep so <laughs> perhaps emotions were either dulled or heightened because of that either way mm-hmm. it was really good seems
0: like a very fitting way to listen to dream boy yeah <laughs>
1: what'd you say babe yeah. 10 hours
0: of sleep
1: 10 hours of being awake okay. 10 hours of driving while being awake.
0: Oh, I yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's
1: it's pretty pre bonkers. Also, caravan's really fucking good, but you've heard that s- caravans you've heard good. that said on this podcast and on Twitter multiple times before. Um I think that'll about do it. Will, where can people find you yeah. online?
0: People can find me on Twitter at, at Will W writes W I L W underscore rights. You can find me on my website at willwilliams.reviews. It's Will with one L. Find me all over the place. I write all over the place. Uh, <laughs> You're just everywhere. I don't know. I, yeah, I if there's a, an article about podcasts, I've I've seen it or written it or touched it or sneezed on it or some shit. Gavin, where can people find you? (laughs) Uh, You
1: can find me on Twitter at ThePodReport, T-H-E-P-O-D-R-E-P-O-R-T. If you put a .com at the end of that, that's my podcasting website. Uh, I also am going to be on Discover Pods at some point this week with my review of podcast movement. I guess coverage of podcast movement. The word review is uh, is interesting in this case because it's like that's
0: yeah, coverage
1: i i actively you did didn't journalism. go to a lot of it to do the review. like it's interesting mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. i think that'll do it none of my podcasts are updating besides this one anytime like within the release window of this thank you so much for listening i'm sure uh it has been a fruitful week for you the listener whether you were at podcast movement or sitting around watching live tweets come in There should be some fun stuff coming up on tuned and dialed up in the near future because we're making Mm -hmm. more of it and we try to make it all fun. Uh, Thank you so much for (laughs) listening. And thank you, Will, for coming here. Well, oh, so tired.
0: Oh, so So fucking tired. tired. So fucking tired. Thank you for coming on too, Gavin, who is also so fucking tired. Yes. Good night. Good
1: night, everybody.
0: (laughs) Bye. Bye.